Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation, part two of our in-depth discussion with Gordon Domlija, an advertising and media specialist with over 25 years of experience in communications and marketing. In this part two, we continue talking about marketing in different regions of Asia. We dive into the various strategies used by Chinese domestic companies compared to that of international brands, highlighting the importance of understanding customer needs and adapting marketing strategies accordingly. Gordon shares his insights on the role of self-expression in Chinese marketing and how the shopping experience has changed over time. We also discuss the impact national pride has on consumer behavior and the challenges that Western brands may face when trying to compete in China. Gordon stresses the importance of localization and the need for brands to understand cultural differences in shaping consumer tastes. We conclude our conversation by exploring the potential of the metaverse in the advertising industry and how it may shape the future of marketing, especially in the APAC region. Enjoy whole world's open like you know you can recreate your brand and that's the beauty i think about asia you can have a brand that's 200 years old sitting in kansas city but you can reinvent yourself and be a completely different brand to different consumers at a different stage of their like you know maturity and development about brands and you can do that in asia because they've got no history vast majority of them don't really care about that anymore it's not important not for these product categories now now what's important is like what are you doing for me why is this relevant to me how's it sit in this space how are you communicating with me how's that integrate into what is important to me and what's important to me chatting with my friends online gaming in these areas like playing this doing that and building out this world where i can actually express myself in a very different way to how i've been allowed to in my in my real life Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half of the world's under 30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market that no globally-minded organization should ignore. But entering markets like China, Japan, or Southeast Asia is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. However, times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success growing their key markets in APAC. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies grow in the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful Asia market entry and growth strategies by interviewing the experts who've done it before and truly understand what it takes to be successful in the region. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation. Brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. I wanted to give credit where credit is due on the front of, of domestic companies. I think the Chinese domestic brands, they make good products, they make great products, and they and they build really, really good companies now. So I wanted to maybe ask your thoughts about how those Chinese companies approach their marketing from what you've seen and, and how do their strategies compare? How are they similar? And then how are they different maybe from international brands? And this is you know, a really interesting point about, you know, what Chinese domestic companies look like in China and what they look like outside and like what yeah. international companies look like in China and what they look like outside. Okay. And it, 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 it's, it's just fascinating. Those of us who like, you know, who are interested in this, it, it's just, just amazing how, how you see the differences. So, you know, just like slightly tangential, but picking up on that point, like, you know, about the iPhone being launched, like, you know, when you live in Shanghai, right, I would go to a meeting like, and on that table, everyone puts their phone, right? You know, like that's, it's, it's normal if you put a phone. Now, if I, you know, extrapolated my observation like, of what I see in meetings, I would assume 
Apple had a 97% market share of mobile phones in, in China, right? <laughs> but as soon as you get out of those meeting rooms and boardrooms in, in China, you suddenly see, wow, there are a lot of brands here. And like, there are a lot of brands who are much, much, much bigger. Like, you know, and you suddenly get out, like, you know, and, and I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Huawei and Honor for many years, you know, just fantastic brands with fantastic products. Exactly. You say, I mean, the product. So, you know, I've, I've got an honor camera, which like, oh, sorry, a phone. You see, I, I call it a camera because actually I don't use it as a phone. I use it as a camera because it's like 450 megapixels. It's just insane how like, you know, the technology that they can put on this and the retail price they put against that. Right. So what those, you know, what those companies have done, which I think has, has been outstanding is really understand what, what customer needs are. Now, those people in Shanghai buy an iPhone, they buy an iPhone for like, you know, for reasons beyond, you know, is this the best phone at this price point with the best functionality and everything else? Of course not. But what am I trying to project about myself, about my urbaneness, about my, you know, about my internationalness, about how like, you know, wouldn't have a local phone, right? And that's, you know, and I'm not saying that's the case still now, but certainly as, as, as it developed, that's what it was. Then you look at, you know, how, um, like Honor or Huawei, whatever, how they built, you know, my, I mean, the technology, the specs, the, you know, the cameras and why, like, you know, because what did, what did people who were buying phones, like, you know, who upgrade their phone every year, what did they want to do? They wanted to take pictures. How did they take pictures? They take selfies. So why is your front camera on like your iPhone so rubbish? Like, you know, that, like it comes up, like, no, here, I've got this with built in filters, with built in everything. I look beautiful. I look like an anime character. I look like this. This is like, you know, that, like suddenly you're going like, right, well, the explosion of self-expression and putting things on the internet, they've built a product, you know, at a price point that all of these people can afford. And yet it does exactly what it, what it needs to. Because people don't need like great phone reception. They don't need any of that. They need to take really good photos and be able to upload them so people can just see how awesome they look on their social media. That's the important thing. And, uh, and suddenly that is, that became like, you know, that's their play, right? So, and, you know, you look, you, as soon as you get out of, um, out of Shanghai, it's like, you know, it, it, funny, even the advertising, the advertising, the brands, the malls, the shops in the malls, right? They change and you're not even out of Shanghai. You're just going into like, you know, a couple of the outer suburbs. So then you're going like, and look, I've, I've worked with auto companies for like, you know, 25 years. I figure I know everything about cars, right? I know everything about every, I know, I would like, you drive for 20 minutes out of Shanghai city center and I'm going, I don't even know what that car is. I don't know what that car is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's billboards and I'm going like, what is that brand? Like, you know, and you're looking at it up yeah. going, I have no idea what this is. Right. And I know everything. I think that's why you're never an expert. Right. But like, you know, because there's always something new, there's always something that, that that's there. And there's going, right. Well, how do they thrive here? Because price point functionality, what are they looking for out of, out of a car or a mobile phone or, a, you know, like, you know, like, uh, it could be anything, you know, this is like, you know, so to me, those are the things that are, that are real sort of like learnings about how, how they market. I mean, you look at something like, um, you know, like going back to the sportswear sector. So, you know, you've got Nike, this is their position in whatever else. And it's fine, almost unassailable as that, as, as that participant. But you look at like Anta now, leaning, like, you know, who started off as very, very low tier brands, like, you know, discount, like, you know, going to deny anymore. You know, and why? Because some of their marketing communications, yeah, are um are not just focused on that on that bargain basement like you know we we are everywhere at every price point and like you know we are cheap 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 and like you know it's not you know now you look at their stores look at their flagships like look at the experience in store 
Like, you know, they're building brands like to sit alongside Nike where people feel comfortable. So like, you know what? The quality, the design, the, the, you know, the feel and the ambience when you get into a store, it's not like, you know, I'm picking shoes out of a bucket and like, you know, and those, that, that's what you are. The experience has changed and like the marketing's changed. That's not to say they're still not accessible in all of those like third, fourth, fifth tier like malls. They still have hundreds of thousands of shop fronts, right? And like, you know, and like both online and, and, and offline, this is like, you know, this is part of like, you know, what they do, but their communications across all of those are different. Now, some Western brands have like, you know, and, and international brands have, have done that well. Some have struggled. I mean, you look at someone like Adidas, right? You know, and who, you know, to, to my mind, have massively devalued their brand in, in, in China just because of their accessibility everywhere. You know, if you're selling on Pindaldo, if you're selling on discount retailers, it's like, man, like, you know, and at the same time, like, not anymore, but, you know, you used to be like, you know, here's your core product, here's Yeezy, he's like, you know, da, da, da. you know, it's like, it's like these are, you know, it, it, was a, it, it was a conflict within the brand, right, in terms of, like, you know, selling and retail and making sure that that tracker is, like, ticking over, right, you know, every minute of every day. And it's like, you know, but we're still this brand. It's like, you know, high performance, high design, you know, like, you know, celebrity endorsed brand. It's like, and that's, that's a struggle for a lot of brands, you know, and sometimes you get lost in that. These are, you know, and, and these are things that have to you know, play in mind because, you know, that affects international companies working in China very differently to like, you know, to, to like the, um, to local and, and domestic competitors because they don't, they don't suffer from that. You know, and you can't underestimate like, you know, the level of nationalism as well, I think, in, in China and the pride in Chinese product, which I think has really been ev- elevated over the last sort of like decade or so. Uh, and and with, with good reason. The product's good. You know, there's a yeah. reason like, you know, this is the center of the universe for, you know, high speed transport. You know, you look at like the train networks, you look at the infrastructure that, that's, that's been built around that. I mean, it's just phenomenal what they've done. Like, you know, and that is technology based transportation, bringing like, you know, uh, bringing accessibility to like, you know, a nation. You look at like, you know, you know, EV. I mean, this is the world center of like, you know, electronic and like new energy vehicles, right? There is nowhere like this. It's, so, so to me, those are the things that's happening. They're, you know, you look. Have you? I mean, you've seen the the numbers in terms of Tesla production in like uh, in in China. It's just incredible, you know. And the turnaround as well, like you know, from a point where everyone was laughing about that, you know, they're supplying the world now. You know, so that technology exists there, and like you know, the the ability to be able to deliver that exists now. Not everyone will be able to do that. Not everyone has like the strings and the connections and whatever else is the Western brand to be able to do that, but. It's possible, you know, and like, you know, and it was the right people guiding you and the right information and the right strategy to start with. You know, it is definitely, definitely possible. And there is a market there because there are still consumers who who do want to try things. You know, I know it's a massive cliche, but people are interested in trying new things. There is like, you know, it is a market with, you know, zero loyalties in my experience. Like, And that's across every product. People are willing to try new things. People are interested to experience And that's true in like, you know, and that's why, you know, when we look at, you know, technology developments, that's why people have to rush into it because it's about relevance. You know, how do I stay relevant in this? If I'm already playing in this space, my goodness, I could become irrelevant very, very quickly. People stop talking about me. Uh, If people stop talking about you in in China, wow. That's like, you know, that's it. You're gone, right? I mean, you don't exist anymore. What about price point? Because I think about, okay, for example, on this side of the ocean in North America, for me, 
Now, because I am more comfortable having spent a lot of time in China, I only buy TCL and Hisense because for me, that technology is near equal to Samsung and I am paying 70% of the price point. So why would I not do that? And I don't know that. And and maybe that's kind of market entry and that's brand evangelism uh, at play with those price points because they kind of have to, they cannot simply price themselves at the same price as Samsung. They wouldn't sell anything. Everyone would buy Samsung, but I know inherently there's way more value for me going that route because I know the technology is already there and equalized. Yeah. It just is the brand that's holding it back. And I don't care what's it, what it says on the front of my TV in my own home or in my mm. own office in reverse. Would a North American, would a, would, would a Western brand, have to need to want to make that kind of same decision going into China or Asia anywhere? Yeah, I, I mean it's a it's a different question now than it was probably about fifteen years ago, just because of what's yeah. happened. I think. I mean, this is a, a and it, it's sort of fascinating just the, the the turnarounds in the perception of of, of brands. I think. Yeah. It, it, everything was on its head in China anyway, because like with the new money that that came in, exactly you know as we were discussing earlier, uh, you know like uh, whether it was a you know whatever product category you looked at, yeah, in in, in Western markets, the, the thing that would sell most would be the entry level product, yeah, it's like the cheapest thing to get you into that product. Here's like you know whether that was you know Chanel or whether that was Land Rover, you know, it's like oh that was the entry level, you know, and like um and. In China, it was it was always flipped on its head. It was like, what's the thing that sells most? The most expensive thing? Why? Because well, why would you like if you've got the money? Why would you like buy, buy the cheapest thing as an entry? Your entry is like you know the most. You buy the best thing. What's the most expensive one you got? Great, like you know. And that's you know, I mean, I, I used to go to car like you know the, the, the auto shows all the time, right? And the amount of times you've seen people like, just walk up going, right, I want this car, and um, I saw that. It, it, it might have been Volvo one actually, and it was like, and the guy came up going, I, "I want to buy this car," and going, "It's, it's not a real car; it's a concept car." It's like you know, going like, "Haha, you're here to negotiate." Go, no, I'm not here to negotiate. It's not a car. There's, no, there's no engine in it. It's like literally made of fiberglass. It's like going, going "I see, I see your game," and like you know, <laughs> yes, yeah. so sunglasses on. Yeah, I play poker. Okay, uh, yeah, I know how to play you. Yeah, like, I'm not leaving until I have this car. So like you know, it's like it's not a car. It doesn't it's drive the anymore. only you know? one. <laughs> We have. <laughs> so, but you know, the, you know, that is, you know, uh, and that's obviously just an <laughs> anecdote, which, which I hope highlights just how, how, how this thing will run. But this is, that, that was true in like in normal consumption as well. So that, um, you know, so the advantage Western brands had going in, like, you know, established because you're paying for the heritage, you're paying for the name, you're paying for the history of that. And that's why if you look at the, like, the marketing when, like, you know, when we didn't, we were talking about provenance, we were talking about history, like, going, uh, talking about, uh, like, you know, the founders of this company and, like, you know, the, you know, the, you know, Coco Chanel stitching every stitch of this and, like, you know, and that, like, you know, that precision of, like, you know, how things were, that's what you're paying for. Yeah? You're paying for 200 years of development. You're not paying for that product now, you know, and that's what people bought, right? You know, German technology and cars, you know, like I'm buying, like, you know, the history of BMW. I'm not buying just this motor vehicle that's going to take me from A to B, right? So they always hit a, a premium. Now, you know, what's happened in intervening years? Like, you know, obviously uh, there has been a, 
uh, a surge in the quality of products that China has produced. So, and and people, while, you know, uh, maybe some people still have preferences to other brands, people don't see a distinction. You know, and brands like Huawei have been massive in in in, in driving that because you, you don't see a distinction in like going right. This is worse quality than this. You know, and when like you know you go every head to head, and like you know the reviews like you know and whether they're in the US and like you know going back before the the troubles, but like you know you look at reviews head to head reviews going like there's no competition here. Like the amount, the price point, the technology, the capability, the processing, everything that's in there, the camera. It's like this is like you know infinitely better than this. Right. And and so I think people have got used to like, you know, that actually you, you don't have to pay over the odds because you're not I'm not buying the brand history anymore. You know, I'm buying I'm buying some level of exclusivity. And I think that's a you know, that's a different podcast about, you know, <laughs> brands and, like you know, and how little exclusivity is now in some of these heritage brands. But that's a that's we can go down a rabbit hole in that as well. But this is, you know, to me, that is, you know, that's been a fundamental shift. So like coming in, like, you know, with your heritage, with your whatever else, it's like, um, why, one, why are you coming in now with that story? You know, what is your relevance today to customers of today? Yeah, that, you know, there has to be a reason why, you know, you, you know, you are only coming in. If it's a new product in a new or a new service in a new category, like going, right, this is why it's important. This is why you would use this product, this service. Yeah. This is how it fits into your life, like you know, because we understand you. Because it's still, you know, and this is China or anywhere else in, like, in, you know, across Asia. You know, we haven't even got into how nuanced like every other market is, like you know, relative, like you know, relative to China, and how different your, your approach has to be in every one of those markets. But you know, you it, it holds true. You know, the one thing that's consistent across every single market is you have to be relevant to that market. You have to be relevant to the customers in that market. So you can have a leading global vision and a global product, but like, you know, what is the localization of that look like? You know, so you look at the, the Western brands that have left. I mean, you know, you go back, you know, even pre-COVID, the amount of um, Western brands that withdrew from, from China and, and by withdrew, I mean, sold up to their JV. Yeah? So like, you know, you, you, you see the same brand names, but those aren't run like, you know, they, you know. KFC, what, McDonald's? I mean, McDonald's isn't McDonald's, right? I mean, it's like it still has a name there. It still has a, but that is a local business, like, you know, for local people, you know, for a local taste, for a local market, you know, with regional variations in China, whatever. It, you know, that is, you know, it bears the same name. It bears the same logo, but it's not the same business. No, it's a different business. And a lot of them, because like and either you lose control in, in, in the business you have because it gets so big and like whatever else, or you just go like, well, I can't, I can't make this work, you know, or the decision making is so localized anyway. If you want to compete with that, yeah. Yeah, then you, you sell out and you go, right, you take Disneyland. money back and, like, yeah, and, and, and you go and, like, and you leave it. And that was true whether you were an Uber or whether you're a McDonald's, right? Kind of like, you yeah. can, kind of like I, can't, I can't compete with this, but you need incredibly deep pockets and you need like, you know, the connections, the infrastructure, you need to do business in a way that the business has done there. Now, that doesn't preclude other brands from coming in. I mean, and there's still a load of hugely successful, like, you know, foreign brands in, in, in China. Okay. You know, it, it's, it's, still, it's still possible, and it's still possible for new entrants. But increasingly now, you have to be very clear about what, you're, you know, what it is that you're going to deliver. And that price point, yeah. it's like going, well, if it's something that's already delivering that in China at a competitive price point, man, like, you know, why are people going to pay more for you? You know, like is I, I don't think there's you know the massive cost consciousness. People will pay for something if they see there's a value in it. You know, there's still like huge, you know, um, 
like oversupply of premium and luxury products in China because people do pay for it because they see like you know some some value in paying extra for that in these categories. So what is your industry? What is your category? What is your competition look like? What is your space to play in there? To me, those are fundamental questions which like you know if you can't answer effectively, you know you're you're not going to succeed. Yeah, there's there's even a lot more to to unpack there. I just don't think that Western brands as a mission, as a goal, should be trying to say you want to be number one in China in any category. I think that that's a problem. You're never going to be the incumbent. There's a lot of room, though. So, you know, you're shooting for third. Yeah, we might be able to we might be able to help maybe make that happen. Uh, But I can tell you there's a lot of headwinds at play that are going to ultimately prevent you, a la Uber, uh, from being number one when you're not local. Yeah. I just don't think that that the entire sphere of everything in that country is set up or going to allow that to happen. And we've seen it multiple, multiple times. So Exactly. But, it, I mean, in, interestingly, the, the, the converse is true, right? You know, I mean, I, I, we did, uh, you know, one of the really – uh, amazing things that I think we did was like try and take Huawei to a, you know, to a global audience. Now, Huawei, you know, their market position in, in China, like going back, whatever, five, six years, they were like completely dominant, you know, 50, 60% like market share. I mean, of handsets, it was like, this is amazing. And I, there is no one who wouldn't take a meeting with like, you know, Huawei. There's no one who wouldn't like, you know, you could walk into a room going, I'm representing Huawei. And everyone would go like, have this, have more, you know, and like, you know, because that is the market position you have. Then you go to other markets and like, you know, the, the clients would be like, God, like, you know, it's really difficult to get this done, difficult to get this done. I'm going like, you're 1% market share in this market. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like doors don't automatically open for you. You know, so in the same way that, you know, you're doing this this way, like, you know, Western brands coming in, if you're a Chinese brand going there, you're going like, well, what route do you take? You know, some of them take the route, which is like, you know, I'm, I'm like Huawei, I need to do this. Like, you know, okay, well, you, you can't always do that because like, you know, you, you need to like work in a, in a different way. Like, you know, your position is different. You're like, you know, and what your objective should be is different. You can't be, you know, exactly to your point. You can't expect yeah. to be number one somewhere where like, you know, the infrastructure is, is basically set up like, you know, against you. You know, in terms of how retail yeah. works, in terms of how like you know networks work, and like all of this stuff, all of these stuff has to be nav- navigated. You know, so that that is most definitely like you know how I've seen the flip side. Then you've got other, you know, Chinese brands, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned like you know some some of those like you know the um, you know those technology ones. But you know, I, I was talking to a, um, a a manufacturer of air conditioning units in uh, in Guangzhou, right? And they were telling me that they spend over $200 million a year on Amazon advertising in the US. It's like it's totally, totally unbranded, totally just they're selling air conditioning units. They sell like millions of them, you know, but this is, you know, but those are those brands that someone is actually, you know, so it, it, they, they gain under radar because where people don't have a necessarily brand preference, like something like that, it's like, you know, it functions there. They've sold millions of them. Like, you know, there are reviews on the site. Like, they buy it. I don't care if it's from China or not. Like, most of these things are, right? So, yeah. Give me the BTUs. That's all I care about. And that is – so, it's quite interesting that that, that, that can that, that can happen. And those aren't necessarily brands being built, but they're incredible businesses, right? Yes. So, anyway, so it's, you know, it, it's just interesting how these things play out. And, like, you know, and, and again, like, you know, it's to me, I always keep that in mind that, like, you know, what, you know, you can be a brand business, which is focused on this, or you can just be a great business and like, you know, just focus on, you know what, I've got a product here and there are routes to market where, you know, I become like a, a white label product or service and it just gets 
failed under this banner and like you know there's a delivery system that helps me do it and this is how i make a great business who knows I mean, yeah you know, the, the world's you know there's, there's a lot more interpretations of what successful business looks like now i think than you know than we used to have in the past i think maybe human ego plays into the fact <laughs> that we built something so great we would love for everybody to know our brand right and be able to walk in and say i'm this company and then have everything offered to us that would be nice but yeah. um essentially just building a great business and and not necessarily having to be um a brand on the on the tip of everybody's tongue it's not important and i think this is that's a that's a really interesting sorry i know i'm not going on now but like, go ahead, go that's, ahead. A, that's a really interesting point because yeah, you know, it, it it comes down to you know that that point about ego and like having your name and like you know and I've, I've worked with entrepreneurs who wanted to have their face on the billboards, right? You know, I want to be, you know, I, like you know, like, you know, that. And we've all worked with people like that, and that's fine. It's like you know, I love it. Like you know, I love the passion, love the energy, love like you know how personal it is. You know, but you know, we'll, we'll go, even going. I'm really like, funny. Let me tell a few jokes. <laughs> Great. I want to be in all the ads. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Like you know, I loved it so much. I bought the company. Right. You know. I mean, there's loads of it. It's, but. Well, what I found interesting is that, you know, that um, in, in China, there was so much of a lack of ego about that. People like made money. You know, when I talk about those guys coming in, like, you know, buying Land Rovers, those guys, like, would you have heard the company that they that he's built, how he made his money, you know, on like well, ring pulls or the things that go on the end of shoelaces? I've totally forgotten what that word is now. But there's a guy who does that, right? There's a guy who just does the buttons and lifts. There's a guy who does like, you know, the maintenance. And, like, that, that, that's not household name but that guy's a billionaire right and these guys are like you know there is no ego about that because they're you know what they want to do is build a build a business like you know not not a brand they build a business they make money like you know their family's happy everyone's happy like you know you can buy whatever he wants go wherever he wants that's it that was the objective like you know he doesn't need to be known and 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 i've you see far more of that i think in china and some of that is is cultural as well i think where you know you don't want to be like you know <laughs> the tallest blade of grass, right? You know you don't want to open yourself up to to, to that exposure. But you know because the people who do, like you know, it doesn't always end well. But you know these people, they can make a very very good living and an incredibly successful business. And you will never ever hear that brand name mentioned. Yeah. Might not even have one. Probably doesn't even have a logo. You know why does it need one? Yeah. The only people who would know it would be the ones that work there. And it's really just whatever the holding company name is on the check, you know, that, right. you know, that, that pays them. Uh, that's just, I work for one, two, three XV Inc. Just a number company, holding company. Yeah. You mentioned this. We talked about this other regions around APAC. Okay. So I do want to dive into that. Your time with Wavemaker, you were focused on broader APAC. And I want to, I want to ask you more about some of the regional stuff there. So you were based in Shanghai, but you were broadly uh, across APAC. I want to know how you manage the markets outside of APAC, uh, or sorry, outside of PRC. I want to managing the APAC markets out of PRC, but also I, I'm trying not to overload this question so that you can answer as much, but you know, what was that like? What was it like during COVID? Because you can't then really travel easily, right? So how did that work? And then how did your approach adapt to multiple markets throughout APAC over the years? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good question. And it goes to the fundamentals of what you, know, you how you see leadership. And, and I think for me, that was 
yeah. even when I took a role of like, you know, CEO of Asia Pacific, it's, it's like, I'm, well, what does that mean? I never, I, because I've always been a very hands-on person, right? You know, I've like, you know, I've, I've built from the ground up and I, and I think what made me stronger in, 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 you know, management roles was that I've, I've done nearly every one of these jobs. You know, I've, I, I, I can like, you know, I, I can really empathize with every one of these people about your frustrations about what works, what doesn't work. And I can understand if you tell me this, 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 so again, okay, well, I, I get well, this, I, let me try and help you with, with my experience. And that is, you know, that was, you know, when I was running the company of 120 people, you know, and I, I tried to take that through to run a company of 3000 people, you know, it's like, you know, it becomes more difficult as, as things expand, but it's still, you know, your, your way, because you, you still think that that is what leadership looks like. I was never like a ceremonial ambassadorial, like, you know, CEO sweeping, show me a presentation, like, you know, everyone claps, let's go for a dinner. I'll pay. Like, you know, it's like, which I, I think a lot of those roles were in, in many organizations, right. You know, here's my market visit, like, you know, all right, Taiwan's off the list, tick, like, you know, won't be there again for four years. <laughs> I don't have to think about it. You know, so it's that, that, you know, that, that, that wasn't me. It was like, I'm right. How do I get into markets? How do I, you know, leave, you know, a, a, a legacy of understanding that makes them more self-sufficient, makes them understand what like, you know, a, a, a company vision looks like makes them understand how important culture is to actually developing that that um you know that that business because to me that's you know in a, in a services industry if you don't have a culture if you can't if you don't make that organic it's really really difficult to like you know um to, to grow your business and certainly like you know i, you know, I don't want to work in somewhere where, where, where there isn't a, a, a good organic culture where people don't feel that income and like you know be themselves and be like you know and contribute to a business so to me that's really important and you know i i really you know, enjoyed getting into those markets. And I'd like, you know, I never used to let people sit me in a room, you know, they'd always like give you an office or something like, there you go, like, you know, enclose you. And then they'd feed you like these, like these templated presentations and like, you know, wheel someone in, they have a script and like, you know, go like, oh, no, no, I'm going to sit in the middle of it. I'm going to find a desk and I'm going to sit there and like, you know, because for me, the observation, the understanding, like, you know, listening to people talk, Hearing what isn't said as much as anything else, that's the thing that leads you to like what, what a culture really looks like, you know, and what works, what doesn't work. And, and, and to me, that was, you know, that's how I ran the business. Then for like 2020, I mean, like, oh my goodness, it's like, you know, it's a whole reevaluation of, of everything, right? I mean, I, that, you know, I, my, my travel plan for the first three months of, um, of, uh, of 2020, like, you know, because it obviously hit in, in Asia a little bit earlier and like certainly in China a little bit earlier than it hit the rest of us. Like, you know, I was doing Pakistan, Philippines, Thailand, like, you know, I'd like, da, da, da. I was like organizing. I was like, this is, you know, that was my, my uh, quarter planned out. It was like, suddenly it's like, no, nothing. And like, you know, and this might be the case for a really long time. I mean, we didn't know, right? I mean, how long this could be. This could be like three months. It could be like, you know, as it turned out, three and a half years. <laughs> but yeah, it's like so you have to have a total reassessment of what it is, what is the value that you bring. How do you do this? And like you know, how do you manage markets? Like you know, because while you can make yourself accessible to to market leaders and you know your leadership teams maybe in in each market, that doesn't give you a full picture. And that didn't you know, and for me that that doesn't give you you know because it's a very controlled environment on Zoom or a Teams call, right? People tell you what they want to tell you really hard to dig in like you know beyond that and you only and some of that you only get through observation and, and, and physical presence so i think what what has sort of happened like you know and this is like my personal 
approach to it is you end up becoming very, very accessible to everybody. Everyone's in lockdown, but like you make yourself like, right, anybody, anywhere in the company, like, you know, in every town hall and every communication, you know, you can contact me. Here's my WhatsApp. Here's my WeChat. Here's my like, you know, like here's, here's like, you know, anything that troubles you, anything like I want to hear from you. Now that, you know, was brilliant because lots of people took me up on it, but also it becomes like totally overwhelming because lots of people took me up on it, right? So that's what you end up doing, just talking to them. But it gives you a, a better idea about like, you know, the business and, and it feeds into your, your strategy for a business, you know? It gives you pointers and like, you know, much quicker than data points can in terms of business performance as to what's working, what isn't working. Because if you see a current, like a, a sort of like a, a theme developing in individual markets, lots of people talking about the same thing, that's much quicker feedback than like saying, all right, you know, especially in agency world, you know, your data points lag at such a rate, like, you know, three months, six months, like 12 months, you know, you might start losing people after three months, four months, six months, right? Then like, you know, you see unhappiness in clients, then you start losing clients, but that won't happen. Like, you know, some of your contracts might be 12 months, 24 months. The impact of like what's been happening and like going, you can't reverse 24 months of like, you know, of mismanagement. You, you know, you, and, and so that's, you know, to me, that's how, you know, I, I dealt with it. And I think, you know, it's, you know, it, it was just really important to stay connected in that way. And I think that that's really, you know, what, what, what changed a lot. Now, I think that it also, you know, what hasn't changed through that time is really understanding, you know, the, the differences like between, uh, the differences across Asia Pacific. Okay. Now, as, as a region, it's different to like North America and Europe, like, you know, but, you know, as individual markets, it's just, I mean, unless you have spent time here, you have worked here, you have like, you know, been like, you know, and, and been in the thick of it, you cannot underestimate how diverse a region Asia Pacific is, you know, from <laughs> India to Australia to China to Japan to China, like, you know, culturally politically religiously geographically like you know socially economically everything everything is just so so different i mean it's yeah so you know the amount of times i would get something like you know it's like gordon how's this going to land in asia and can go what in all of it i mean like you know well, which part i mean like you know there is no homogenous like you know asia you know, everything is so different, so nuanced. And I think to me, that was like, you know, that, that is, you know, the, you know, the, the, the biggest thing, like, you know, when you talk to like, you know, Western organizations, but like even people in Europe can, oh, Europe's really diverse. Europe's not diverse. Europe's not diverse at all. Like, you know, relative to somewhere like Asia, it's not, you can't compare, right? You know, it's different markets, technically different countries, but is the diversity just simply isn't there, right? you know? And then, you know, that's before you even dive into individual countries. Now that creates problems, I think, for a lot of marketers, because a lot of marketers, uh, you know, in, in, in the Western world, like, they want things to be consistent. They want them to repeat, like, you know, <laughs> repeatable and like reusable. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. But surely this would work here. No. I mean, you, there are still companies probably producing stuff on Google Stacks, send them to China and going, here you go. I've built you this. You're going like, fantastic. That's like, you know, you do know about this, right? You know, it's not been a secret you know, <laughs> like for the last 20 years, right? You know, but, but it still happens, right? Because people are so like, this is how it works. This is what works here. And things tend to be built you know, particularly for Western countries, with that, you know, a very clear focus on like North America and, and, and Western Europe. Yeah. Because, that's, you know, because the people who sit and design these things, they sit on the West Coast or the East Coast or they sit in London, right? That's it. 
That's like, you know, those are their points of reference. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, the decisions that are then made and, like, you know, why some companies are successful here and why some aren't, it's so dr- obviously and dramatically clear is because you actually have an understanding of how to make this work here. You know, you have an understanding of nuance. You can have a global vision. You can have a global idea. You can have a global product. But how that manifests in terms of, you know, what that product even looks like, where it's distributed, how it's bought, how it's communicated in individual markets, completely different. You know, I mean, the example I gave about Thailand, like, going like, yeah, great, you can have an e-commerce business. But I don't see how that's going to help your 99% bricks and mortar business, right? Yeah. You know, this is, you know, it's whereas in, in China, going like, well, all you need is e-commerce. Like, you don't need, like, you know, you can have a D2C business and you build it there. As long as you've got a logistics set up, like, you know, you don't need to go to it. Like, you don't need a retailer, right? So just totally unnecessary because people live in the virtual digital world anyway. So, you know, you can build a brand straight from there, like, you know, D2C, done, like, you know. So it's it's a completely different play, you know. But you know, what I would, you know, like, you know, but what I would really sort of like stress out of that is that, you know, you just need to like understand that going into everything. Like, you know, what is your size of opportunity? Where is your growth going to come from? Where is like audience like fit? Where does your product fit into that? Because some of the probably, let's say, less mature markets digitally, they also hold a massive amount of opportunity. I mean, part of the reason I moved to Southeast Asia is like, you know, if most of the big brands I was talking to and a lot of the, you know, smaller, um, you know, start brands I was talking to, the opportunity is actually in Southeast Asia. And like, you know, and, possibly, and probably India as well. One that's demographic, and I know, like, you know, before we started, we talked a little bit about the challenging demographics, particularly in like in, in North Asia. You know, these are aging populations which are, you know, as you say, paying back, not paying forward. And it's like, you know, and it is going to be a challenge in terms of doing business. Again, not impossible because the numbers are still there, and it's still like, you know, you know, it's not, you know, the end of the world. But if if you look at, you know, the population booms, Indonesia, you know, Thailand, India. Vietnam, like, you know, and you marry that to the mass digitization that we're seeing in those in those markets, and you know, and I compare it very, like, you know, very clearly to what I saw in China, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That move from like rural to urban, that ability suddenly everyone's got a smartphone, suddenly everyone's accessible, somebody every suddenly everyone can communicate, can create content, and like you know, and they've already leaped into this sort of like social commerce world. You know, their first interactions with like digital and social commerce. Our first interactions, I mean, like, you know, press that modem and like, you go, and like, you know, put the telephone on the, on the <laughs> thing. Like, you know, exactly, right? This is, this was our introduction. We've gone through every phase since. Most people aren't. Most people are like going, um, their first experience is 5G. I mean, come on. Like, you know, this is like, it's a completely different world, but it opens up opportunities. If you talk to like major, like, you know, consumer brands, like, you know, globally, where's your next 100 million customers going to come from? Like North America, Western Europe? Probably not even China, right? But they will come from like um, Southeast Asia. They will come from India, you know, because that's that's the population shift now. You have a young, mobile, very you know ambitious um, audience and population who want to achieve stuff. You know, like the the, the things I love going to like you know um, Vietnam, going to Thailand, like even Cambodia. You can see there's an energy to like to to get there. It really reminds me of China. Like you know, when I first got to China, you know that they're at this stage of development that there is you know they want to get somewhere fast. You know, and like you know, you look at you know the templates that they have building manufacturing, whether it's in Malaysia or whether it's in Vietnam. You look at the manufacturing that they're building there. It's incredible. 
you look at like you know i mean i've always been massively impressed by like you know like the, the teams we had in jakarta and the teams like you know that like the digital savviness the ability to build and like construct like you know really complex like you know digital platforms digital it's, it's all there and it's being built like you know by people in that market you know, there's a reason that these will become hubs. And I think, you know, that's so to me, that's the excitement. I think like Singapore is like, you know, it's becoming much more of that the the Asia hub now. I think, you know, like there has been a mass migration. I mean, I can't walk the streets without seeing someone I know from Shanghai or Beijing or Hong Kong. You know, they, they, you know, there has been a mass migration of of decision makers here and of like big brands and of like, you know, and of that technology and startup because they are going to drive the next like major growth in um, you know for for brands and it will come in this in this region I think so that that's a bit sort of like headliney I think but you really sort of like see you know that it you know while you know the opportunity is there you still need to drill down into each of these things you still need to like have that relevance you still need to talk to the right people who can actually like, you know who can give you that solution which isn't cookie cutter. Because, you know, well, cookie cutter, like even in those emerging markets, you can still spend a lot of money very quickly and get very, well, get nowhere. Right? You know, because if you don't have everything lined up in, in, in terms of your, your brand, your position, your product, your relevance, your like communications, your infrastructure, your route to market, all of these things have to be lined up. You know, and, and it's like, you know, and, you know, you, you can make, you know, mistakes very, very quickly and lose a lot of money very quickly, I think. But it, it's, you know the opportunity is is just so immense, and you know, and I, and I think you know the the energy I, I feel, you know, particularly after having spent you know uh, a Christmas <laughs> with, with the strikes in the UK, <laughs> it's like you know when nothing worked, nothing happened, and you sort of go, wow, here everyone's like really keen to make things work, you know, and it's a very very different energy. You know, and, and and again, it's something that really needs to be experienced, I think, because people will invest when you get there, when you see. What hurry people are in to make make an impact and, and, and you know and make business work. Yeah, and here you had mentioned about why you moved to Singapore, and here I thought it was for the community, <laughs> which nobody ever was. And I'm very disappointed, Gordon. I've been expecting a whole bunch of like drops of bollocks. It's one of my favorite <laughs> words to hear you say. Uh, I really haven't heard it. Uh, just saying, kind of disappointed. Um, I may actually just have to make the title now. You know, uh, everything's the same across APAC bollocks, uh, and there I get. <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to have I used to have this T-shirt which I got printed like you know I don't know how like you know which is just like because I was so tired of saying it all the time so I got a T-shirt going it's different in China like you know because like, you just end up someone would tell you something you just go this is a fantastic yeah. idea but can I just say it's different in China like you know and it's yeah oh, yeah I know I know so speaking of different across Asia yeah. you're gonna move to the speed round this is the money yeah. round or the whatever yeah. it is. So I'm going to throw at you some of the countries and I want you to just first thing that comes to your mind, something about, you know, trend that you're seeing or what you expect to see in the next five years or so, kind of like 60 seconds or less. And we will, we'll, we'll start with your former home, Greater China. I mean, all, all of these, like, you know, the, the future is, the future is really difficult, but like, you know, China particularly, it's like going, Everyone's saying they're out and it's, it, China's back. You know, China never went away. China is the new China. Like, you know, everything, you know, we, we hear all of this and like, and I hope so, you know, because it, it's a fantastic place to work and there's so much innovation, so much. Now, you know, the, the handbrake I would pull on that is, you know, still have a major problem in, in um, you know, logistical problem around semiconductors, which I think is going to stifle a lot of innovation. 
You know, I think this is this is a, a big thing that like you know is, you know, if I look at the the leaps in metaverse, if I look at like you know how they are developing their AI and everything else, it it, it might be a problem. Like you know, just just in terms of you know their you know let's say their their insulinness and their their inward looking, which has been like you know partially forcing them in, but that is to me a, a big a, a big watch out. I think it's you know the the appetite therefore for investment into that market. I think is you know you have to be really sure. Okay, you know, and you have to, you okay. know, and, and I think you know, so it's to me a big, big trend. Of, you know, I, I think there will be more development. I think you know, the metaverse is, is something which is just like you know, exploding in its own way here. You know, and I and I think yeah, that that's I'm something coming to, look to out that. For. Okay, but that that to me is 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 the big is is the big lookout because that might point the direction to a lot of ways that it builds into the rest of Asia Pacific. And I think to me that that's always a really interesting thing. Like whether other countries like it or not, you look at how you know, if I look at how commerce is developed across the rest of Asia. This is built on a like on a on a China model. This is how how like you know commerce is entertainment, yeah. Retail is entertainment. Shopping is entertainment. You know, both in the physical space and the digital space. This is a Chinese phenomenon, which is like just taking over everywhere. And I and I think you know, and, and even you see it even in the West, right? You know, and this is like you know, this is why those platforms can develop, and this is why. You know, it, it's become what it has and like, you know, become a global phenomenon, not just a China one. I think, you know, some of the technological developments we're seeing there, it's going to be really interesting. And I think the other part, you know, new energy for me, I mean, this is like, you know, this is the home and, you know, we'll see great, great strides in that. I think it will become so prevalent in, in everyday life, just in terms of new energy vehicles, autonomous driving. I'm, I'm just... You know, it's really, really exciting. I think what, what's happening there because they 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 have the whole infrastructural support to make that happen. You know, which is unlike probably some of the restrictions <laughs> that, that people have in other in other markets. That was more than six seconds. It Sorry. is. The other ones would be quicker. Japan, <laughs> Japan. No, it, it, it's great that it's opening up. I think this this offers new opportunities. I think like you know, Japan is a market that that really suffered from being closed off. So I think like you know, one you're seeing tourism. Like you know, come back. It's a wonderful place to visit. I think you know, you know, the, the like the headline inflation costs everything else. I think are going to make it problematic still for their in, in in terms of growth and in terms of investment. But I think in in terms of opening up and in terms of how you know the the, the role of tourism to their economy and the role of like you know that culture wise, I think it, it is going to be a, a massive fillet for them this year. I think, you know, I mean, you see the amount of people from China already traveling to like uh, Japan now that it's opened up. It's just, you know, amazing. And it's just, and I, I think they've really missed out on that. And I think that, that will help, I think, you know, re, um, reinvigorate them this year. Definitely. Humidity. I mean, Singapore. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's going to be hot. It'll be rainy at the same time. Uh, like, you know, that, that'll keep going, um, forever. Yeah. Um, like, but look, this, this is quite, <laughs> what, what's, what's interesting is like, I, I think this is very much now the, the APAC hub of decision making. You know, I think, you know, the, those, so many companies that used to be HQ'd in, in like, you know, that, you know, we had grand ambitions that Shanghai was going to become the APAC HQ. You know, I think a lot of companies mm-hmm. started that way. And like, you know, I was, I was very much involved in a lot of that. Not the case anymore. And like, even like, you know, Hong Kong, you know, the migration is here because I think one, you, you see that the door to both India and, and Southeast Asia and that next hundred million customers for whoever you are. So to me, this is, this is a doorway. This is like gateway. And I think, you know, while you'll see technology hubs spring up in the, in the other, you know, Southeast Asian countries and, and India particularly, this is still going to be the gateway. It'll be like, you know, this, this is where people will be able to, 
you know, pick and choose what's happening across the rest of the region to bring it together in some sort of like a, in some sort of universal play for, for Asia Pacific. So really, really important okay. you know, over the next sort of like two to three years. Okay. Uh, then let's go to, we're going to come back to the neighbor there, but let's go to Malaysia first. Malaysia. Um, but, you know, well, with all of us expats sort of coming in, like the manufacturing business in, in Malaysia has just skyrocketed in the last, like in the last year. No, but manufacturing, I think, is, is, is playing a major, major role in like in, in how they're, how they're developing and how they want to develop. I see them much more as that hub supplying, you know, like, you know, the, the, the garden of the, of the region. It's, it, it's going to, play a major role, I think, in, in terms of how they develop their, their economy. I think there's still, there's still challenges. I think, you know, in, in terms of technology, talent, infrastructure, because I think a lot of companies that we work with try to set up KL as like a, as a real hub as well, as an alternative mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. Uh, to Singapore. It's just really hard, just in terms of talent, in terms of experience, in terms of like, you know, it's anything like that is going to be a challenge. And I think that, you know, you know, you so you use it as a manufacturing outsource, as as a hub for that, and and I think that you know that that will be the the key role it plays, and you know, proximity to Singapore as well. I think you know, we'll we'll, we'll play a big part in that. Okay, great, Indonesia. Oh, my favorite. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love hey, it. fun like, fact: I got married in Bali. Yeah, so did I. No way. Get out. No, seriously. We got to hang Where out else? more. We could totally, yeah. <laughs> We're like, you know, uh, yeah, Uluwatu. It was fantastic on the rocks. Blue Chapel. It was a glass yeah. chapel, uh, infinity pool near like a, just oh, on yeah, top yeah. of the cliffs over a surf spot. Yeah. It was uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've all done that. We've all done that. Don't worry. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Like, you know. Um, but anyway, yes. Um, but it's quite funny. I mean, Bali, quite interesting because the amount of people who've set up in Bali, like, you know, businesses, like digital, like consultancy businesses. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah. There are so oh. many smart people who just like going, who just live their life. I mean, it is incredible. Yeah. It's like, you know, everywhere you go, it's like they are so connected, so like, you know, and, and just so smart. And like, you know, and they're going like work-life balance. Welcome. Welcome to my digital consultancy stroke surf school. I mean, it is. That's mm-hmm. the life. I mean, anyway, like that's. I know that's, so that's many people that are there now. Yeah, hundred percent. But on yeah. mass in Indonesia. But then, if you go to like you know what 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 I loved about Jakarta, I think that you, the technology is there, you know, and I think the infrastructure is there. I see that you know, particularly in in our industry, you know, like for, for us, we we bought like you know our, our biggest global addressable content hub is actually in Jakarta. You know, that's where it's built, like, you know, so, because it's so far advanced in terms of being able to build, you know, digital solutions, you know, a young, digitally like enabled workforce, all like, you know, the ambition is massive, I think, like, you know, and, and, and to me, I, I just love it. I just love the energy going there. You know, I lo- didn't love the traffic, but love the energy, love like, you know, the, you know, the, their ability to actually take really sort of like, um, you know, sophisticated Digital technology and try and scale that for a as as global solutions. Uh, wow, I was I was really really impressed, really impressed. And I, I think you know to me that's no, that's like first place I'd be going. I, you know, I just yeah. you know the infrastructure's there really, and and then the population. I mean, it's like you know people forget it's like the fourth most populous country in the world, right? Two hundred you know, and forty million. Something. Exactly. I, I mean, there is everything going for it, you know, at the moment. And you know, to me, is it's a really fascinating place. I'd love to spend more time there. I feel bad. I'm going to tie the last two together just almost for time. Um, we're already the, this is the longest recording we've ever done. 
right. I'm so surprised. I've taken like six yeah. drinks of water throughout this. You haven't even touched your cup yet. I'm blown by that. I'm going. I'm going. So in Thailand and Vietnam, I've been to both. I don't see how we can even put them together. But those are the last two I wanted to ask about. And 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 I, I think look, Th- Thailand I think is, is is really interesting because like they they've come out of COVID with just like this like this plan which you know for a country that is as conservative culturally as as, as Thailand, it's just like whoa, what's happened here? It's like you know, it, but they suffered so badly. And like, you know, I know from talking to the teams there, like, you know, over this COVID period, you know, you figure how much of, you know, their direct and indirect GDP is like, is as a result of tourism and the impact that has had, like, you know, on, on that economy over the last sort of like three or four years. So to open up and reposition itself as this, like, you know, as whatever it is, and it's just like, it's, you know, it, it will, I mean, it's going to be massive for them this year. You know, they'll get back to probably like, you know, pre-COVID numbers maybe next year, I think, in terms of in terms of tourism. So I think that that to me is like, you know, just their position as what they are, you know, this playground that they've created. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that, that that's that's their role. And, and, and Vietnam is, is, is totally different. Vietnam is so much more like, you know, culturally, so much more like China, I think, in terms of, you know, the yeah. way it's developed, the way, you know, honestly, the first time I went to Ho Chi Minh, it was like, I was like, and this is like going to Shanghai in like, you know, the mid 2000s because it's, you know, you have like a Chanel and next to it, you have like a little noodle shop and next to it, you have like, you know, like, you know, and then, you know what I mean? It was like, and that's what it used to be like in, in, in Shanghai before everything was just like a mall, right? You know, before everything was like mm-hmm, a mall, they mm-hmm. got rid of it, all of that sort of like the character and yours. That's what Vietnam's like now. And then you look at the manufacturing, you look at like, you know, their capability and their capacity for a country of that size. I mean, it, I, I think that's fascinating. And like, you know, and, and same goes for Cambodia as well, by the way. Like, you know, I think that's, you know, that they, they will, you know, you know, not that their costs aren't rising, but I really do see that these are, you know, these are things that are, you know, going to drive their economy, drive the investment that goes in and drive like, you know, the, the population as well. Okay, cool. Peru. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey let's 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 end on talking about something that i i can already tell that you love because every time you mention it your your eyes light up let's talk about the metaverse um (laughs) i i I think you really like it it's it's a buzzy word i think people are starting to understand it's someplace they need to be still don't even understand it nor how to be quote unquote there so tell me a little bit about it is it all hype or is there something really there that people need to pay, t- pay attention to? Uh, I mean, it, uh, you know, it, it's exciting because it because it's new, and I, I don't think you can ever underestimate. You know, that when you when you've worked in Asia, um, new is relevance. New, relevance is currency, and currency is money, right? You know, and and I think you know if you think about it like that, it's like any platform, any like you know uh, any. Um, you know, delivery system of communications of audiences matching with brands. It's like, you know, this is, you know, you think about it like that. It's the most relevant. It's the most current. It's like, you know, and it, and it has the most potential because, you know, whereas, you know, your, your, your plays in, in more static and traditional, you know, channels, you know, were, were fairly fixed, you know, you have open reign here to do what you want to do, I think. And that, and, and that is, exciting and that's why everyone lights up and that's why everyone wants to talk about it but it's also scary because like you know you 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 know this is there isn't a play there's no there's not really a playbook even right you know and and so you know going back to going back to what we were discussing earlier you know what is my role here 
you know, what, what am I trying to achieve by being here other than I'm a marketer and I definitely need to be in the metaverse because I've been, if I'm not in the metaverse producing NFTs, I am not relevant to anybody. Like, you know, because that's all anyone wants to talk about. You know, reality, I mean, while it's, it's massive business, it's still only a fraction of what's happening in, you know, in the rest of the marketing communications world, right? So there's huge potential. Now, the, the interesting thing for me is like, you know, as, you know, we, we were talking about people's forays into or, or how they've got themselves into into digital the level of, uh, of of comfort that people have in this space i think you know basically dictates where you as a brand and you as a um and, and you as a category where where you get to play you know and where where you get to test now now you know we said like a lot of people's first uh, interaction with digital is, is now 5g is in a like a virtual or augmented augmented reality sort of state or that capability so they're totally comfortable and in, increasingly you know what, what i see like consumers are really really excited by you and, and, and actually much more comfortable not talking to a real person talking to like you know a chatbot talking to an ai like simulation because they feel they actually have much more information that person's going to give you and much more like clarity about the things that you're trying to find with much less you know, of a personal filter that comes with it or a, or a script that comes with it. It's like, you know, to me, that's, that's why, you know, chat GBT is like just been so like phenomenal, right? Because it's like, and right, this, this becomes, I'm not asking someone who is like basically paid to tell me something. This like gives me information and like, you know, things that I can explore in different areas, take it in different ways. And like, you know, which are completely off script, which are going to be much more personalized to what it is important to me and give me the experience that I want within this space. Now that to me is like, you know, is so powerful, yeah. And you know, if you're in certain categories and like you know, in, in certain businesses, it's it it will become a fundamental way that you communicate with people because that's the expectation that people have is in how they communicate and how they interact with brands. Now, for others, it's, it's not the case. It's the same way, like you know, going back to that argument about like you know, why should I move some of my TV spend to digital? Like, you know, why would I lower my share of voice? Like, you know, I'm trying to reach everybody in the world at the cheapest possible, you know, cost per thousand. But, you know, you're increasing that by moving it to here with like, you know, effectiveness unknown, right? So, you know, there, there is still, you know, you will have those conversations and you still have those conversations. So that, that to me is, you know, is, is a conversation that you need to have internally. For before you start with any um, with anything you do that you know what do I want to achieve in this space? If we're going to talk metaverse and we're going to talk about marketing and and trying to advertise or to sell, is APAC leading the way? I would say yes, like yeah, yeah, in many ways because there is an openness of consumers, there is an openness of like uh, accessibility, which like you know which I think um, has been incredibly um, democratizing. I would say. To like, you know, to, you know, to, to the development of the internet, e even in something like, even in China, which is like closed off, which is like a difficult place to, um, you know, or can be quite scary, like place to do digital. You know, in actual fact, what we have here is like, you know, an openness to new ways of communication, new ideas from consumers, from like, you know, from brands, from companies who are willing to try, willing to test and like, you know, and know that they need to do this. Because if you're playing catch up on a platform, that platform explodes, you know, you are in serious trouble. You know, because like, you know, in the same way, like, you know, all those people like, you know, going, should we be on like TikTok? Should we be on ByteDance? Is this something that we should be doing? You know, we lose control of the brand. We lose all this. Should we play wait and see? It's the people who embrace it and the people who've like gone with it that have like, you know, that have thrived in, in that space. 
you know, this is like an Asian phenomenon that is spread outwards, right? And and it, and it will continue to be because these, you know, you have this combination of infrastructure of open commerce, basically, because you have multiple platforms all playing in different spaces. You have the convergence of entertainment, of like, you know, um, of information, of ability to purchase. You know, you have like, you know, these people who just live in these worlds anyway, be it in that gaming environment, be it in like, you know, and, and you know, that's a whole another area you know which is just like so massive to explore about you know the, the potential and the opportunities but these people this is where they exist already you know so you can try you know and, and i think there is opportunity to like you know to test this because you know and you know a lot of like international global brands are gonna um struggle with this but your brand doesn't have to be the same thing everywhere right and and eventually it's not right you know if you are truly like successful in every market, you're not the same proposition everywhere, right? You can't be because like, you know, the tastes are different. You know, that is, you know, <laughs> that is just like human characteristics, you know, culture, like, you know, like literally your taste is different in, in different places. And that is genetic, not just like, you know, not just driven by, you know, your experiences. So to me, these are things that like, you know, that, you know, provide, a a testing ground for brands now i think in, in in asia pacific because people are open to that you know you look at the population you look at the infrastructure you look at the technology you look at you know this like movement from like you know not being a consumer into being a consumer uh, you know the whole world's open like you know you can recreate your brand and that's the beauty i think about asia you can have a brand that's 200 years old sitting in like you know kansas city and like you'd say right now but you can reinvent yourself and be a completely different brand to different consumers at a different stage of their, like, you know, maturity and development about brands. And you can do that in Asia because they've got no history. They don't like, and vast majority of them don't really care about that anymore. You know, we talked about provenance and all the rest of it before. I, I don't see that. And oh, we are a German brand. No, no one wants to know that anymore. It's not important. You know, not, not for these, not, not for product categories now. Now what's important is like, what are you doing for me? Why is this relevant to me? How does it sit in this space? How are you communicating with me? How does that integrate into like into what is important to me? And what's important to me? Chatting with my friends online, like, you know, gaming in these areas, like, you know, playing this, doing that, like, you know, and building out this world where I can actually express myself in a very different way to how I've been allowed to in my in my real life. It's like the, the potential is is awesome. And, and, I, and I think, you know, and, you know, I've obviously, you know, I would say that I'm sitting here in Asia. But, you know, that that's what drew me to Asia in the first place. You know, that this that openness and the opportunity for change and creating the new because you can create the new. You know, you look, you know, you look at the brands that are, that are coming up now. You look at like, you know, the technology enablers that are allowing that to happen. These are all new brands here. You know, and it's and it's far more open, I think, in this part of the world. Than it probably is in in, um, in the more traditional Western world. Very, very well answered. Thank you for that on a difficult topic and a new topic. So it's not an easy thing to unpack because we just don't know what it is yet. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We wouldn't even be able to begin to put together what row ads might be, or you know, it's just it's it's so so new, right? But don't sleep on it uh, as well. Um, it exactly. could be awesome. Have yeah. fun with it for now and then utilize it later. Exactly. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure, you know, for me and Eddie and, and all of our listeners, thank you very much for being on the show today. This has been brilliant. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Loved every minute. Thank you so much. 
Okay, for those of you, of course, watching on YouTube, uh, don't forget we have the audio-only version if you need your hands and eyes and ears for, you know, for other things like driving. Um, and you just want the podcast, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else that we have the podcast. And for those of you listening on audio, um, you got to come and see us, especially how Gordon, who, you know, is, uh, you know, between, uh, you know, and he's, he's building his own company now, but he still came up, showed up, wore cufflinks. He's outdressed me like by a billion times. Uh, you you got to come and see this conversation. It was amazing. On so. So just go to the WPIC YouTube channel. But that's it for us for now. Again, big thanks to Gordon for showing up today. Big thanks for Eddie and everybody for arranging this thing and putting this conversation together. And uh, join us next time. We'll see you. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking at the Asia-Pacific region for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with. My good friends at WPIC Marketing and Technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands, just like yours, enter China, Japan, and Southeast Asia. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Negotiation, and if you're interested in being a guest or want to connect with me or any of our team, please reach out to us at podcast at WPIC.co, and be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.